Good morning, everyone, and welcome. My name's Liz Gray, and I am so delighted to be worshipping with you all at Randolph. It's lovely to be inside and to have walls and a roof, especially on a day where there's freezing rain outside. It was quite delightful to um, look at the weather forecast and not be anxious about what precipitation was going to happen today. We, um, well, all of us really have just come off, obviously, the Christmas holidays and... I wonder if you have made any new resolutions or started up new habits or something or decided to do start or end a practice. I guess most gyms are already beginning to ship out all the new equipment that they put in for January the 1st when everyone was full of good resolutions of how they were going to exercise this year. And perhaps over the holidays, you've spent time with people you love, um, could be family or friends or colleagues or neighbours, and you'll have experienced the joy and sometimes the pain of some of their more incomprehensible behaviour or attitudes. And spending time with people always offers us opportunities to do the good exercise of getting inside their brains, of trying to walk in their shoes of learning to listen to the perspective of someone else, which always takes time and patience and commitment to wanting to do it. And as we step into this new year of 2022, there is a general exhale after the holidays. The snow has been lovely and perhaps it's helped some of us to pause, except if you're a parent, Hats off to parents who suddenly found themselves with their kids at home for another week, which was probably a mixture of delightful and really hard, especially if, like some in this community, you lost power for a few days. Oh, my goodness. So much. And meanwhile, Omicron has also created a fresh wave of a mixture of anxiety and frustration. So perhaps you, like me, are feeling a little bit ho-hum about the year ahead. It's quite hard to pull together a a measure of jollity as we face a world which is quite uncertain still. So as I read the lectionary readings for today, I found myself simply wanting to regroup, to take stock, to find comfort in simple, solid truth. So, for example, the New Testament reading today, Peter is preaching and he says, Hear the good news that Jesus came to bring peace to all people. He talks about the fact that Jesus showed no partiality, that his welcome was for all nations. And then we heard John the Baptist preaching in the gospel about the Holy Spirit and justice, this message of chaff being burnt, the idea that justice brings judgment. So what is this all based on? Who is the God who dispenses justice and brings both fire and good news, peace and judgment? So we're going to take a minute this morning to pause and kind of try and walk for a moment in God's shoes. This God who chose the incarnation, who clearly loves us deeply. Who is he exactly and what does he care about? And one of the beautiful aspects of scripture is that we get to often see things from God's perspective, where God is reported as speaking through the voice of a prophet. 
And as we heard in Isaiah 42 a minute ago, read by Chrissy, there were so many aspects of God's character. So I wonder if all of you could just turn to it, find it perhaps in your real hard copy Bible or turn to it in your bulletin, get a pen. I'm going to make you work in a moment. Those of you on Zoom, you're not exempt. Please find it. And as we go through, perhaps you would like to contribute via the Zoom chat. So get yourself ready. Kids, we are going to read a passage of scripture in a minute which talks about God's character. And then you might like to join in with the activity that we're going to do. Or perhaps you'd like to write or draw about some aspect of God that you really love. Earlier this week, I got a delightful email which Juliet sent to a few of us. And she was talking about something which Charlie had done. She wrote this. This morning, Charlie took my Bible and read it to me. Remember, everybody, Charlie is three. He said, God is king of the universe. God is love. God is good. God gives us medicine. God gives us families. God was dead, but God is alive now. She went on. He then added some plot lines from the little drummer boy, but okay, we all need to remember Charlie is three. But he seems to have got a pretty good grasp of some fairly key attributes of God's character. And it was lovely that he was able to articulate them and put them into sentences. And so we're going to do that in just a moment. But first of all, before we do so, just a tiny bit of context from the book of Isaiah, which is a book which has been written really in two halves. Some scholars think it was written by two different Isaiahs in two slightly different time periods. Some people think it was one Isaiah written with perhaps a 15-year gap in the middle. But without doubt, there is a slightly different flavour between the first 39 chapters and the ones thereafter. (coughs) I'm not going to worry too much about the gap, but there is a sharp turn after chapter 39 when the the tone turns from one of warning of God's judgment because of faithfulness to his announcement of a new day. And the second half was probably written at the end of the Babylonian exile and is a proclamation of good news which could be shouted from the mountaintops, a story of God's salvation by his strong arm, announcing the shepherd who will rescue and gather his people and lead them like lambs, a homecoming as the people return to Jerusalem after being in Babylon. And the specific passage we're reading today is the first of four passages in Isaiah which are referred to sometimes as the servant songs. And sometimes we just pluck them seemingly randomly out of the book Isaiah and look at them. But they are interesting in that each of them is read with can be read with slightly different lenses. As Christians, we often read these in reference to Jesus and we think of him being reflected in the words of the prophet. But for the Jews, they're more likely to think of this as reflecting the people of Israel. And therefore, within each of the servant songs, there is both the individual perspective of Jesus, but there's also the community aspect of God's people. But whichever lens you use, every line holds truth about God's character. And that's what we're going to be looking for today. Okay, so I hope you're all ready and you've got your bit of paper and you've got your passage and you've got your pen or pencil. And what I want you to do is as we go through, we're going to pause at the end of every single line. There's 31 of them, so be aware. 
And I want you to think of a word or phrase which sums up that line for you, which says what it is about God's character that is revealed there. Now, because I'm recording this, I'm going to actually give you my answers for each line. But I hope that you will write yours down as well. So it starts off. Here is my servant whom I uphold. This is God speaking. What I see in this is the way that God delegates my servant. He gives his servant opportunities. And he does it supportively, not in a way that just releases the servant to get on with things, but he upholds the servant. My chosen in whom my soul delights. Both of those words, God delights and chooses. He has capacity for great joy. We've got a mood meter on our cupboard in the kitchen and it talks about all the emotions and going from low to high energy and low to high pleasantness. And delight is high energy and high pleasantness. God delights. God chooses. I put my spirit upon him. God is generous and equips. He puts his very own spirit. The very essence of who he is is given to the servant and to his people. He will bring forth justice to the nations. What you'll catch as we go through this is the repeated motif of justice. God's first priority is always justice and always justice for all nations. It's not a partisan justice. It's not a justice for his favourite group of people. It's a justice which is rightness. It's a justice for the whole world. In verse 2, he will not cry or lift up his voice or make it heard in the street. This idea that God doesn't self-promote or insist. He's not a street hawker. As someone shouted out, he's not a Pharisee. He speaks mildly. A bruised reed he will not break and a deeply burning wick he will not quench. God is gentle and patient. He cares about the weak, the bruised, the dimly burning. He sees them and he responds appropriately with kindness. And then here it is again at the end of verse 3. He will faithfully bring forth justice. Justice is part of being faithful to God's nature. In verse 4, he will not grow faint or be crushed. God is tireless, indestructible. And here it's again, until he has established justice in the earth and the coastlands wait for his teaching. And in the Old Testament, the coastlands often represent the, the very extremities of the earth. God's word will go everywhere. Yet again, the reminder that he is for the whole world. All can hear it. Verse 5. Thus says God the Lord. What do we hear here? We hear a God who speaks, who wants to be heard, and he rules as Yahweh, who created the heavens and stretched them out. Who is God? He's a creator. He's creative. He sustains and stretches. He makes all things good and beautiful and lovely. He spread out the earth and what comes from it. 
He sustains all life. He gives breath to the people upon it and spirit to those who walk in it. Not only does he give life, but he gives our very spirits what makes you, you and me, me. In verse 6, I am the Lord, I've called you in righteousness. Yet again, we get this idea that God is named and that he calls us. His call is a righteous one throughout history. The second half of verse 6 is sometimes in the past tense and sometimes in the present tense, and they're both lovely. I have taken you by the hand and kept you, or I take you by the hand and keep you. God calls, but he's then proactive. He doesn't call and abandon. He calls and keeps, and he takes us by the hand. He's very close. He's right beside us. He holds our hands. He's not far away. He's not watching us from a distance. He's engaged in the things that we are engaged in. I have given you as a covenant to the people, a light to the nations. You could be Israel, could be Jesus and us, but this idea that he's given us purpose to be the sign of his covenant, which is true of us, even as it was of Israel, to reveal God to the world. And what does it mean to us to be a light to the nations, both communally and individually? To open the eyes that are blind And what's interesting about this next verse, verse 7, is that blindness is rarely self-inflicted. God cares about the brokenness in the world which happened through the fall and the things which happen to us to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon. Well, something about prisoners is that they tend to be guilty. They tend to be in prison through their own fault. Some hardships are self-inflicted. But for most prisoners, it could be said that they're there by their own hand. But God does, doesn't want to bring them out of prison foregoing judgment. But he wants to bring them out of prison because he cares about justice, but he also redeems and rest- restores. And it goes on so he, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison, those who sit in darkness. He wants those who are struggling with darkness in their lives to see light. And that darkness can be physical or emotional or spiritual. But God longs for each of us to come into the light. Once again, I am the Lord. That is my name. Names are so important. My glory I give to no other nor my praise to idols. God has all the glory and all the praise. Nothing else deserves glory and honour. And finally, in verse 9, See, the former things have come to pass, and new things I now declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. God has command of history, what is past, what is present, and what is to come. And he can declare on all of them, and they will spring forth. We can trust God as he holds all history in his hands. That's quite a list. I know on our list we got, I don't know, 30, 40, 50 words. I wonder what you got on your list and which words were important to you, what resonated. Because it's true that at different seasons, all of us need to hear different things about God, about who he is to us, and what aspect of his character matters right now to you today. I've become a bit of a fan of Ted Lasso and um, the language is appalling, but um, I love it as a really heartwarming 
series. But there are two characters in it, Sam Obasanyo and Jamie Tart. And what's really interesting is the way that the series um, kind of puts out their relationship with their fathers and how they both have terribly different relationships, one very healthy and one very unhealthy. And the importance that those relationships have to those men. And God positions himself as our parent, as our father and our mother. And he asks us to come to him. And there are at different seasons, different ways that we can relate and hear from him. So when we look at God as our father and those attributes, we look at the one who is then revealed to us in Jesus. And we also look to him, to our community, who should be displaying those attributes as well. The attributes that all of us contribute to as we are God's covenant to the people. So I want you to just look at your list for a moment and think about it. And think about where you look for God to exercise his character in 2022, both for yourself, for our community and for the world. And then perhaps turn to your neighbour or Zoomies, you can write this in the chat, and let them know the word or phrase which is resonating for you today. Today, I am grateful that God's character displays for me his patience and delight. Sometimes it's really hard to remember that God actually delights in me, and that is precious and special and helps to ground me. For the world, I'm so grateful that God's commitment is to things being right, to justice. And for himself, I'm so deeply grateful and intrigued by this idea that God self-declares his glory and that that is so important and that one day all mankind will see God's glory revealed. So here at Incarnation, as we start this new season at Randolph, we each need to position ourselves aright. So as you look today at God's character and values, are you rightly aligned with them? If not, why not? How could you realign? Is there someone, something you need to talk about with someone? Do you need to break or make a new habit? Once you're called by God, he doesn't leave or forsake you. There was that lovely promise as well that he will take you by the hand and keep you. God has purposes and plans. He wants you to allow yourself to be used for his objectives, the things that give him delight. And then I invite you to consider your role in our community. Are you in a small group, for example? Are you allowing yourself to be accountable and known? And there might be really good reasons why you're not in a small group this trimester. But make sure you ask yourself that question and just say, why am I not in a small group? Make sure you can answer that with integrity and that you know what it is that's holding you back for this season. And that is so permissible. But be sure you've thought it through that you're not just not choosing to be in one. And then as you look around at our community, I wonder, who are you mentoring? Every single person in this community is slightly ahead of somebody else in the way that they understand their faith or the way that they're practicing their faith. Is there someone you could pray for regularly in our community? Is there someone you could reach out a hand to, offer to have coffee with? 
offer to talk through a topic? And who are you being mentored by? Is there something you're struggling with and that you see someone else who seems to be able have got it sorted or at least be a little better further along the way than you are? Perhaps you could call them or email them and ask them if they would mind having coffee with you. If they'd pray with you about the issue that's on your mind. Can you allow yourself to be vulnerable amongst our community? Where are you slotting in and contributing and, and being known? And then thirdly, to consider our communal role in this neighbourhood, which is clearly to proclaim God's name and love, but to remember that the servant does not destroy or quench, but the servant mends and fills, entering the human condition and experiencing it all. And so we are invited to be people who mend and fill and love non-assertively, without self-advertising, quietly and unaggressively, being gentle with the people around us. And thirdly, that God's priority and heart is always justice. Sometimes the Bible talks about judgment, but that is synonymous with justice in that it simply means that how things should be, the way of rightness. Justice exists because God exists. And so how are we seeking to be people of justice in our communities and neighbourhoods and workplaces at the moment? There were these lovely verses in the middle of that passage where God said this, I am the Lord, I have called you in righteousness. I will take you by the hand and keep you. I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations, to open the eyes that are blind, to bring out the prisoners from the dungeon, from the prison those who sit in darkness. As we move into 2022 and as we ground ourselves in God's good character, my prayer is that Incarnation will be known as a community of people who love each other and our neighbours fiercely, who seek justice for all, and who constantly seek to realign ourselves with who God is as we fulfil our role as a covenant to the people. Amen.